Are you guys ready to record this whole thing all over again? <laughs> I didn't care for it. I didn't buy it. That, that seems pretty ridiculous. I don't even want to think about the possibility of you having your dick out. Yikes. This is the most important thing in the universe. What happened to it? I, I, I don't know. I needed to suck in absolutely every moment of awesomeness. Yeah. Welcome back to the Geek Legacy Podcast, where we talk about everything in the realm of geeky news, uh, so long as it falls under the geeky umbrella, because that's just how we are. That's what we do. And we actually have a lot to talk about today, so I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time. Uh, I am Justin Cavender. With me, as always, is Mr. Randy Van Dyke. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. All right. That's not fast. <laughs> David, how are you doing? Razorcrest. Oh, man. Way to derail. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to fall for that. And I, I did my intro super fast because Justin said we wanted to get into it. And you know what? I'm not getting into the Razorcrest because there is no new news since last week. Well, cool. Uh, so over the weekend, uh, switching gears a little bit, DC Fandom happened and came and went. And with it was many trailers, some behind the scenes looks, some fun interviews, uh, some video game uh, trailers, a whole lot going on. And uh, I wasn't digesting it as it was happening, minus the, the Batman trailer. I watched that pretty much immediately. Uh, same with the Flash behind the scenes, uh, just because of all the talk that we've had on this show and just on social media with Michael Keaton uh, reprising his role as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. And it was pretty cool to see the cow, like the behind, you know, the cow from behind and everything. It's like, oh, it's happening. This is a thing. <laughs> and so that was pretty neat. And in sort of a, uh, I think the closest thing that I'll be able to equate it to is like when Luke showed up in the Mandalorian season two finale. When you see, when we see Michael Keaton on screen as Batman, it's gonna it's gonna get your juices flowing. It's gonna be a big deal. Uh, might even bring a tear to some people's eyes. It'll just be really really fucking cool and really special. And I, I I hope I'm not amping myself up too much. The cool thing about Luke was we didn't know it was gonna happen. Uh, whereas this one we do, so expect the expectation level is is obviously different, but uh, I am excited with even just a little tiny dose that we had. I felt like it was, it was too much, too fast, and I was I was really really excited about it. Randy, I know Randy and David for that matter. We're all '89 Batman fans. Uh, what were your initial reactions when you watched the behind the scenes footage? Oh, I absolutely love it. I I could not be more excited. Um... Yeah, I. It was one of those things where I kind of came into it late, unlike the the Hasbro live streams that I was just talking about. Instead of going through and and trying to to relive the experience of anything that was watching all the the, the fandom content, as soon as I heard that something had dropped, I just went and I looked for the trailer directly, and I just sniped it, and I just was watching everything that I could, and uh, I was as giddy as a schoolboy. Ooh. With a lollipop, <laughs> and and their and your books tied with a leather strap. <laughs> yeah, and, and for some reason, yeah, for some reason, real tall socks and real short shorts. <laughs> I have an image of that on my phone, and I will send it to you. I every time someone goes back to school, I always send them this stupid photo, <laughs> like a little schoolboy. I love it's so ridiculous and so funny. David, what about you? You got you got Michael Keaton as Batman again. Where's your head at? Yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited. Um, I know we're talking about this specifically. I, I, fandom as a whole was kind of, I was kind of disappointed in that what they showed us. I feel like we got a lot of behind the scenes peaks last year at some of these projects, and I know that you know filming has been you know hit miss with the whole COVID situation. But uh, I was expecting more full fledged like teasers or trailers. Um, but 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all here for Mikey and his Batman. And at the end, when Ezra Miller's like about to pull off like cover of what we're assuming is the Batmobile, I was like, oh my, they're gonna show, it? they're gonna show it. And of course, they didn't. Um, you know, I like Ezra Miller as Flash. Um, I think he's great. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he fucks up the universe, like Flash always does in the Flashpoint stuff. Um, I'm really curious how we're gonna get our first introduction of Michael Keaton's Batman, because um, you know the first time you see a character on on a film, it's 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 important, and I'm curious how they're going to do it. I have I have my thoughts, um, but I uh, I'm I'm pretty excited. Do you want to see him in costume first? Hmm? I'm sorry, I, I didn't. I thought you were done. Um, do you want to see the, the first time you see Michael Keaton? Do you want to be with him in costume, or do you want him to be Bruce Wayne? Uh, yeah, I want to see him in costume. Maybe uh, getting his mask because he's old. <laughs> yeah, and they're pulling off the mask at the end, going, oh, "I'm too old for this shit." Right, <laughs> right. Because Ezra Miller's not going to recognize him as Bruce Wayne because the Bruce Wayne he knows looks very different, but he knows Batman. And right. So I think it would be cool if he approaches him. As in, like, you know, he knows, hey, Bruce, hey, Bruce, it's so great to see you. And Joaquin's Batman's like, uh, who the fuck are you? <laughs> I do not know this man. <laughs> I do not know this man. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, I mean, it's probably safe to assume that Wayne Manor is the same address, right? So he'd be able to, to find him pretty quickly. Yeah. 1313 Mockingbird Lane. Is that what it is? No, that's that the Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> The only address, yeah, an address that changes all the rules. Oh shit! <laughs> what was that movie called? Was it the address? The movie was the address. Yeah, the the, the movie was called that was that was. I think the address was what called sixteen hundred Pennsylvania. Sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah. That's yeah so Wesley funny. Snipes. Yeah, address that changes all the rules. A group one. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, man, and I hope he's in it. I mean, I don't want just like a small dose. I don't want it to be like a a five minute thing and then he send them on his way. I think it would be really cool if they partner together uh, only because the Ezra Miller that you're referring to is, you know, he's a jittery flash, you know, he's, he's a, an interesting character. He's all hopped up. He reminds me of fucking Beavis when he's like, like Cornholio kind of thing. And so, so I think it would be fun for Michael Keaton's Batman to interact with that kind of flash. Yeah. I mean, the other reports were that Michael Keaton is, very much a co-star and that he is going to be like the main Batman in this film. So yeah, that's cool. And possibly going forward. Who can you imagine? Can you imagine? I want to imagine. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. And then switching gears to the Batman, the Batman, the new trailer that we got. uh, It's pretty crazy. It's had a lot of cool music, uh, more bone crunching. Now we get a little bit more insight on the Riddler. He's got crazy costume, big old coat, and uh, you know, as opposed to like the the tight spandex that Jim Carrey was wearing, it's right. been a while since we've had uh, a Riddler on on screen, and at least a live action one. On and the big so, screen. yes, what did I say? You said on the screen. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, just a live action Riddler per se. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it looked pretty crazy, man. There's a lot of rain. A lot of rain in this Batman movie. <laughs> Gotham is next to Seattle, I guess. And uh it's cool, man. And 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 this Batman yells a lot. He's an angry man. He's very frustrated. And uh, he's got some anger issues, and hopefully he can work that out. Yeah, I hope it's not like a one note pony. Like a, 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 you know, both trailers we got are very much a uh 
like a, like like a one solitary tone all the way through. And I get that it's marketing, and it's only you know we've seen you know three minutes of footage from the film, um, but it it just I, I don't want to watch the Crow Part Two, <laughs> or I guess Part whatever part we would well, be on six now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't want to see him like just sitting there brooding the whole time. You know, um, I understand Batman does brood. There's a lot of brooding. I don't want hate mail. I I, I want some brooding in this Batman film, but. You know, I think you know we got Jeffrey Wright as 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 Alfred, and I would love to see him bring a little levity. That's usually what Alfred's good at—is you know bringing kind of like the absurdity of being Batman to light. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was kind of disappointed when we, uh, Colin Farrell said um, that his Penguin is only in the movie for about five minutes. Um, so that was kind he of said five, I think five scenes or five scenes, just because he's so prominent in this second trailer, um, and I. I completely forgotten it's colin farrell looks absolutely nothing like him same thing with pattinson is is batman he does not look like edward he does not look like water for elephants or whatever these other movies he's done he looks totally different and uh, it looks like matt reeves has found a way to get these people just to disappear into the roles um and i i can't wait to see it i just hope that they're not taking too many lessons from the success of joker and um making it this really really dour you know, joyless, you know, romp through Gotham City. Sure. Now, do you want um, Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne to be a 180 personality-wise from Batman? Like, would you be okay if he's like a fun and festive playboy Bruce Wayne and then a dark and brooding Batman? Would you be okay with that? And so, Yeah, absolutely. I I, I like that, you know, even in Nolan's Batman, you know, Christian Bale does his best. It's a, it's a complete act. You know, you can tell he's not having any fun as Bruce Wayne, but he puts on the act, you know, to where Michael Keaton, who we were just talking about from The Flash, you know, I got the opinion that he actually liked being Bruce Wayne most of the time. Like, he right. seemed to be having a good time. Um, that's, but but when push came to shove, you know, he's able to turn on and be, you know, I am the knight. <laughs> um, I, I, I like the dichotomy of Bruce Wayne and Batman. What about you, Randy? What kind of Batman slash Bruce Wayne do you want to see? Um, I like, uh, man, you know, I, I like the, the Batfleck version of Batman, just like the kicking ass and shoving people's heads through walls and shit like that. Um, just like the, yeah, the super, you look at him and you shit yourself, then you run away cause you're so terrified <laughs> right. kind of thing, you know, um, like that's the version of, of Batman that I want. And if you could somehow pair that with the Michael Keaton version of Bruce Wayne, I would be like that would be the ideal like that kind of dichotomy is mm-hmm. is good for my soul sure but yes right. yeah I, I just don't want two and a half hours of brooding mm-hmm. like i get Batman is not not a super joyous and like light character um but you know but you're right he needs to keep up you know appearances when he's bruce wayne you know he's got a company to run he's got philanthropies you know he 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 has this persona that makes it absurd to think that he would be Batman. Right. You need the highs to make the lows worth it. Right. Let's get nuts. Yeah. Want to get nuts? Go, go. Let's get nuts. Still my favorite. I, I, I swear, I always think of Beetlejuice when he says that. He fucking <laughs> looks and sounds like Beetlejuice when he says that line. Yeah. So funny. All right. Cool, cool. Now, do, what what are your thoughts on the Riddler? Do you want him to be serial killer, gross Riddler, or do you want him to be fun Riddler? Because I'm getting kind of like Saw vibes right now. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely giving off Saw vibes. Um, 
I, I like the outlandish, you know, just stupid riddles, but I wouldn't be sad if it ended up in like a saw situation. Like, well, you didn't solve the riddle. Now this person's arm comes off. Right. I'm glad you did. Yeah. I like the idea of that, actually, the kind of a, a saw version of the Riddler. I never really thought about that. I think because we've really only ever been exposed to silly versions to some degree. Even the one in Gotham. Because he's a dumb character. Right. <laughs> Uh, there, there wasn't much that I liked about Gotham other than uh, Penguin, of course. But, but I, I did like the Riddler there. There was a little bit more to him, but he was always just kind of a goofy guy. Like you were never really scared of him. Right. It'd be I fun like to have a Riddler that you could be genuinely scared of. Right, right. Like you're, the game that you're playing is for your life. Yeah. Not just like a, you know, trouble with the Pop-O-Matic bubble kind of thing, and. <laughs> I think we get that vibe. And I think Paul Dano, he, he's one of those actors that kind of gives me the creeps a little bit. Like, every time he's on screen, I'm just like, uh, this guy makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> it could be the <laughs> nicest human being in the world, but he always grosses me out in some weird way. And I don't, yeah. I don't like it. So he's I'm prepared like to... slightly off. Like, right. Not, right. not off enough to where, like, you should feel bad for him or you should, he should, like, seek help. But just not, 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 not quite right. He makes the Lord very right. nervous. He does. He does. And it never sits well with me. He always just is, is an interesting character. He's a great actor. But it's just like we were talking about with uh, Remy Malik and how his eyes are just always open, like he's staring into your soul. And I hate it. I'm like, dude, just fucking blink. You're driving me nuts. So I, I am I'm getting sort of like a, a seven slash, you know, saw vibe from him. And so uh, I am curious to see how that plays out. And then the trailer is, you know, the guy's got his his face is all taped up, and the the wording is written on the duct tape. That's gross. I don't like that. So we'll see how that plays out. And when I say gross, it's cool and all. It just gives me the heebie-jeebies, as opposed to, you know, your what was it like, Frank Gorshin or whatever, or, or Jim Carrey. You know, those that that version that Randy was talking about, the silly wonky. Uh, <laughs> kind of, kind of Riddler, because <laughs> like he he thinks he is the smartest man in the room, and he, and he probably usually is. You know, he is this this crazy uh, maniacal man, and he's a uh, he's probably like sadistic in a lot of ways. And uh, I can appreciate that in a villain. Batman does have a lot of interesting villains. I know that the well is always just Joker, but it is cool to see when someone like Scarecrow can be. Uh, brought to life and be done really, really well, which I think that he was in the Nolan trilogy. Right. And Paul Dano plays, you know, he chooses interesting roles. <laughs> I, right. mean, uh, I mean, he was in Looper and Prisoners, you know, 12 Years a Slave, Love and Mercy, the biopic for um, uh, the Beach Boys, uh, Swiss Army Man. He was in Okja. And um, yeah, so he's, he's a swing for the fences kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And Looper, that's a. Uh... Like when his jaw like starts to fall off, that was really gross. And Ooh. then in, and uh, you mentioned one in there, prisoners. You're like, he's a creeper in that movie. <laughs> that movie just makes me feel so gross. Um, and I don't, I don't like that. I saw that movie one time, and I'll never watch it again. It was just too much for me. I don't like the kidnapping kid movies are always a, a tough sell for me. I will usually watch them, but I, I hate it all the way through. Right. And then he plays young Brian Wilson in a Beach Boys biopic. <laughs> right. Was he the kid in um in Night and Day as well? The one that was Simon or whatever? Yes. Simon Feck. Yeah. 
He likes the Holland Oats. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Who doesn't like Holland Oats? They're great. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. It's too bad that we got to wait till 2022 to watch this movie. Of course, it is already. Uh, we're creeping up on, on November, if you can believe it. But uh, I believe the Batman was supposed to come out this year, right? But it was pushed back due to COVID. Correct. Yeah, it was originally going to be 2021. And then when Warner Brothers did their whole thing where they released all of the 2021 slate on HBO Max and theatrically, they pushed the Batman back. Got it. Got it. And and I think most of us have been taking advantage of the the HBO Max release schedule. I've, I've just been watching everything that they're throwing at me. And even the horror movies, ones that movies that I wouldn't normally watch, you know, like The Conjuring, uh, Malignant, uh, stuff like that, that I... I would. I was always interested in, but I'm like, eh, I'd rather see something else. But because it's available right there on HBO, I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. Easy peasy. Yeah. Like Mortal Kombat, like seeing the trailers for Mortal Kombat, I, I might not have rushed out to the theater to see it, but uh, glad it was on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And then we were talking last week about that Many Saints in Newark movie. I fucking hated that movie, and I would, I would have been so mad if I saw that in theaters. I'd yeah. have been like, this movie is terrible. I was on my way to the theater to, or about to walk out the door to go to the theater to see it a couple of weeks ago, and I just, you know, normally I always ask Amy like, "Is this a movie you're willing, you're, you're interested in seeing?" Because if you are, I'll wait and see it with you. And she says, "I don't know, maybe." So I went and saw Cop Shop instead, and uh, then we watched it on HBO Max, and I, I don't even think we finished it. So bad, it is hard to finish. So it's, a, it's two hours. And it is the slowest two hours I've ever seen in my entire life. Because <laughs> from, from someone, and, and I, the weird thing is, like with Sopranos, I remember loving Sopranos, right? Every every Sunday, watching it, loving it, talking about it at work on Monday. It was so cool. And then uh, at some point, I feel like uh, we started to hate the Sopranos. The last two seasons were brutal, especially when it was split, when the final season was split, and it was like a 15-month gap or something between seasons. Uh it was like I was excited to see what was next, but each episode just disappointed me more and more and more. I'm like, fuck, I thought I liked this show. Why do I hate it all of a sudden? And then as I'm watching The Many Saints of, of Newark, I'm like, you know, I remember being irritated with the show when it ended. <laughs> and it just kind of brought back that sour taste. And not because of the ending. I'm okay with the ending where it just cut to black. Uh, it was all of the episodes leading up to that that I was just so irritated with you know and i'm just like like bobby and his trains i don't give a fuck about bobby and his trains right and like phil leotardo right he was the bad guy for like two and a half seasons and he wasn't even really a good bad guy so it was kind of weird yeah sopranos Sopranos definitely they peaked and once they started taking those long breaks i think people started to you know you could tell they started getting they started getting hanging on their own supply right so i didn't mean to deviate Uh, so much we also got a trailer for peacemaker uh, hope you guys watch that. It looked like a lot of fun. John Cena's getting his ass kicked for like two and a half minutes. <laughs> it looks so much fun. Um, I probably had more fun watching that trailer than I did the ones for Batman and Flash. <laughs> it was just so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's just a different kind of, it's more of a rock concert as opposed to, you know, uh, a Morrissey party, you know, <laughs> in the basement. <laughs> two very different tones. And uh, I'm here for it. Dave, you're a big Cena fan. What are your thoughts on Peacemaker? I mean, I love John Cena. You know, I have watched after watching The Suicide Squad and seeing that John Cena's character was 
how you say not the best of guys. <laughs> like, you know, he turned on his team and stuff like that. Um, I was concerned. I'm like, am I going to like a show just based around him? And if it's just going to be a show of him with some misfits, just getting into wacky misadventures, I think that Cena has the charisma and the likability uh, to, to really carry a limited series show. I don't think I want to see something that's like 10 seasons. <laughs> um, but, you know, I could definitely get down on like something that's got like a two-season arc or something like that. And maybe it brings him back to the Suicide Squad, next Suicide Squad movie, if there is one. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm an unabashed fan of John Cena. I'll watch pretty much anything he's in. So what I think is cool about his character is that he has room to grow. We we did get to see a side of, of Peacemaker in the Suicide Squad. And so now we kind of know we have our opinions of him. So now he has this show to either solidify that opinion or or change our opinion. So I think that's pretty cool. I love how he's going to have all this agency to 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 figure out himself out and, and what he's doing and if he's going the right way mentally you know like in his head is he a superhero is he is he honest to goodness thinking that by killing this whatever this six-year-old boy that he thought was going to ruin the world or something you know i could see him being like yeah i'll kill that kid i don't care and then now maybe him having some sort of you know moral quandary like is this something that i should be doing and i think that that'll be fun to explore i don't know why i used a kid as an example but (laughs) i think that peacemaker is one of those guys that is very extreme so that would be something that would fall on his menu. Like when, when they're about to go rescue Harley and he's like, yeah, there's one, like one tango up there. And it's literally like a secretary or something <laughs> like on the phone. And he's like ready in the bell tower to just murder <laughs> this lady. It's, it's totally innocent. And that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And Robert Patrick's going to be in it. You know, I, I, I always uh, like seeing our favorite uh, T1000 back yeah. on the screen. Say, that's a nice bike. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice bike pretty good uh, yeah so i was excited i was excited we got an actual trailer for it you know out of all of the things that they announced that was probably one of the ones that i was least expecting to see a trailer out of it because you know in theory it's a, a newer ip uh whereas opposed to like uh, like black adam you know you know we saw a lot of concept last year uh we saw a lot of like uh like kind of art that told like a story and stuff like that and while we got the like 10 seconds of like part of the first scene of the movie um, you know, it, it seemed like there, there could have been a little more meat on the bone. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm in on that just because of the rock, you know, I think if, if the rock is interested in something that he's been trying to get this movie made for like 10 years, then, uh, it's probably going to be pretty great. Right. That's fair. Yeah. Peacemaker starts in January. Yeah. It's like right around the corner. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and the Batman comes out in March. So as soon as Peacemaker is over, the Batman comes out March 4th. Right. Right. Brother's birthday. And, you know, you mentioned Colin Farrell and, and his Penguin. You're kind of sad about that. But uh, we are going to get that series on HBO for Penguin and exploring that version of him, which I think right. is pretty cool. And, and I'm sorry, I misspoke. Uh, Jeffrey Wright is playing Commissioner Gordon. Andy Serkis is uh, Alfred, Alfred. Yeah. 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 Speaking of uh, Andy Serkis, did you guys ever see Venom? Venom 2? Mm-hmm. Not Venom 2, no. Yeah, I had to, I actually had to go see it a second time because uh, my uh, youngest son wanted to see it, and uh, uh, it's an interesting film. I liked it better than the first one, that's for sure. Cool, I enjoyed it's it. Super short. Sure. It's like ninety minutes. Even better. I love a ninety-minute movie. Yeah, that's that's my jam. It's it's, ends. <laughs> it's two hours, and I'm like, shit, better be good. <laughs> Especially if it's like two hours and four minutes, because then it's like. 
all right, the the actual movie's taking me to the two hour mark. So I'm just like, you better be good, man. <laughs> you better be good. <laughs> or that, else. Because you know, I never even thought about it until you're like, well, this could have been shorter. We could have cut this out. Could cut that out. You know, David, you're really good with the the hard cuts. Whereas <laughs> uh, I never really looked at movies that way until you started bringing that to my attention. I'm like. Yeah, it probably could have worked at like an hour 40 or whatever. And then you start thinking to yourself, what could they have cut out? That, and then if it's obviously if it's a good movie, then who cares? It could be fucking four hours long. Return of the King ex- extended edition. I'll totally be cool with it and I'll watch it right now. But sometimes the story can be told just a little bit faster. Yeah, it'll be interesting with the Batman because the screening they showed, the first screening uh, was the three hour cut. And Whew. so. Uh... That might be long for Batman. Uh, and I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, in either trailer, I don't think we've seen um, Jonathan Totoro um, as uh, Carmine Falcone at all. Uh, I'm curious to see how he does, if he plays it like serious and scary like the rest of the movie, or if he's like a Sector 7 kind of thing. <laughs> Criminals are hot. <laughs> um, you know, I've, now that you mentioned it, uh, I thought we did see him for a half a second, but maybe I'm wrong. It's entirely possible. There's a there's a fun bit of trivia on the Batman IMDb page. It's uh, about Rod, Robert Pattinson's screen test. So he did a screen test before he was cast that took place while he was in the first days of shooting Tenant in Los Angeles. Pattinson had to lie to director Christopher Nolan about it, but Nolan, who was no stranger to the Cape Crusader and Warner Brothers, immediately figured out. He goes on to say how Pattinson lied and said he had like a family emergency. Um, and uh, and as soon as he said that, uh, Christopher Nolan said, "You're doing Batman, aren't you?" <laughs> Figured it out. Yeah, maybe we haven't seen Fidge. Yeah, he's a smart guy. Yeah, it's entirely possible we have seen him. I know. I know we've gotten real brief glimpses of you know Gordon, um, Alfred. We've got a lot. We got a lot of Selena Kyle, which I'm fine with. Uh, I think Zoe Kravitz. Uh, she's got some good, as Justin says, those good genes. <laughs> um, we've seen Colin Farrell, obviously. Well. I mean, we saw a guy who is, we saw the Penguin, who they're crediting as Colin Farrell. I'm still not convinced it is Colin Farrell. Um, yeah. That's, that's We've got an umbrella. So, like, um, there is, like, a, a behind-the-scenes shot, like one that you would get sued for if you posted it kind of thing, where it has uh, a cast of characters on the steps, like how when Joker is, like, a mime and he throws the pen at the dude's neck and kills him. Sort of, a, it's very oh, yeah. reminiscent of on the steps like that. Uh, and it has Colin Farrell. I see John Turturro. Uh, it looks like Zoe Kravitz, and then Bruce Wayne standing there in his coat. Um, so uh, that would definitely be him as Far- uh, Falcone. He's got like red tinted lenses for his uh, sunglasses, like the kind where it's prescription, but you can wear them outside. <laughs> <laughs> with the re- what are they called? Like refractors or whatever. I don't know what it's called. Transition lenses, basically. Um, but yeah. I don't remember seeing that part in the movie. I remember seeing a clip of 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 uh, Penguin standing on steps uh, and kind of in front of a microphone, but I don't remember seeing John Turturro next to him. I think it's like cut off the frame, but I could be mistaken. But that would be the scene that I'm looking at. It looks like Pattinson's going to get just progressively more and more beat up to a homie. He's going to be like Captain Kirk from like the new Star Trek movies. Right, right. That's funny, because that's what I was comparing John Cena to with Peacemaker, where he's just getting his ashes beat over and over and over again. It's like, dude, you got to start winning some fights. It's funny. Yeah, I really got to learn how to fight. 
Oh, jeez. And then we did get a behind the scenes on Aquaman, behind the scenes on Shazam. Uh, I enjoyed Shazam. Uh, I know when I th- I waited a long time before I saw it, but when I finally did, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. So I'm curious to see the next one. Yeah, I really like Shazam. I think it's fun. And now that there's a bunch of you know people in the Shazam family that are kids, I think that that could be a fun dynamic. Mm-hmm. Randy, did you see Shazam? I did, and I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, I well, think cool. uh, you know. I think I think too has, has promised. You know, uh, I uh, again I think you know that one's a little farther off towards kind of more forgivable for the behind the scenes stuff. But um, all in all, I think there was a lot of stuff from the CW stuff, and I'm, I've just kind of completely checked out of everything CW related as far as Warner Brother goes. Um, I'm I watched the most recent season of The Flash on Netflix because my kid was watching it. So I came in and out of some stuff, um, but all the other shows I'm completely uninterested in, and um, I feel very disconnected. So all the, the announcements and stuff they were sharing would, were probably very cool for you know people who were fans of the properties. I was just like, eh. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, speaking of TV shows, uh, I watched a fun interview with uh, Tom Welling and uh, Michael Rosenbaum on celebrating 20 years of Smallville, and uh, that just kind of made me think for a second. I was like, holy shit, dude. You know, it aired basically 20 years ago on that weekend, uh, you know, post 9-11, barely, right? A month after 9-11. And uh, that just seems like a lifetime ago. And I I enjoyed the shit out of the first couple of seasons of Smallville. Uh, eventually I checked out, but uh, I just loved seeing Lex as like a good guy that actually thought of Clark Kent as like his friend and he would do anything for him because he saved his life, you know, and he felt like he owed him. And then just sort of seeing that transition and how horrible his dad was, you know, Lionel Luther. And uh, what's interesting is that, that um, forget the actor's name that plays Lionel Luther. Uh, but Lionel he, Glover. That's or it. Jonathan Glover, sorry. Jonathan Glover, yeah. He, um, he was only supposed to be in like one episode, but everyone loved him so much that he came back, right? And that's, we're starting to see a lot of that where someone is supposed to be in one episode or two and then they just fucking knock it out of the park and like, okay, we need more of this guy. And uh, just seeing how terrible he was to Lex growing up and then it's sort of the the breadcrumbs are there and it's like, what's going to be that tipping point that sets him over the edge? And I love that whole dynamic. I thought it was so cool. So that was a fun show. I didn't watch all 10 seasons or whatever it ended up being, but uh, it was definitely cool. And just seeing how that pretty much you know, planted the seed and showed that a superhero show on TV is a viable option and it can work out. And then of course the CW develops, you know, the, the Arrowverse shows and some of those lasted longer than others. Um, and which actually brings me to uh, the Batman or um, the Batwoman show, right? Because uh, I don't know if you guys saw that uh, Ruby Rose, like spoke out against like the producers and, yeah. uh, the, and how terrible everything was. And she's like, fuck that show. I never go back ever again. You couldn't pay me enough to go on that show. They are terrible people over at, at uh, the CW. And uh, people were afraid. You know, people were injured. Uh, one person got almost burned to death. Uh, one oh, person wow. was uh, paraplegic because of an accident. Safety was just not a concern on the show. She she all practically broke her back to where she had to have surgery. Uh, she's like, fuck this place. I'm never going back. And And every time... They're like, you got 10 days to come back or you're going to let down a lot of people and we'll have to delay production. And they made her feel bad about it. 
Right, we're going to uh, have to fire everybody and yeah. stop production and, and no one's going to get paid. And so it's like 400 people aren't going to get paid if you don't come back and work. I mean, that's, A, that's terrible to say in any situation. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the reality is it's true. And whoever told her that is a terrible person. And I hope they get Harvey Weinstein or something like that to where they never get to do anything again. They go to prison for however long Harvey Weinstein's going to prison for. Yeah, it sounds like I the name escapes me, but it sounds like uh Caroline Dries, is that her name? Uh yeah, there were two show female showrunners and then Greg Berlanti. Yeah. So she was she was throwing a lot of anger towards that Caroline Dries and then one of the co stars, Doug Ray Scott. And uh I believe it was Caroline that was giving her the grief. And they were the only show that was still running during the pandemic. Everyone else was like, yeah, it's too dangerous to be doing these shows right now. And then their show kept going. And she's just like, what the fuck, dude? This is nuts. So when when it, when she left the show, I remember it saying that she, that the headline was something like, you know, it was too much work and wasn't prepared for this kind of commitment. And it, it made her be like she was just a quitter. And I remember that. And we talked about that on this show. And for her to speak out, I mean, after... Uh, everything that happened with uh, Joss Whedon and just that toxic environment. It's all Warner Brothers, right? <laughs> and so you're just like, shit, man. And so many people have heard stories about the nightmares that it is working for the CW. And so every time someone comes forward with another story, it just adds that much more credibility. And I always want to believe the victims, but so much of the stuff is I can't talk about it because I'll never work in this town again. You know, there's that there's that fear that exists to where do you really want to jeopardize your livelihood so you don't speak up? How many times have you heard stories about, um, you know, child actors or women being uh, attacked on set or inappropriate behavior? And they're like, okay, so I'm glad you brought this to our attention. There's something we, we can, we can file a report. We can call the police. But if we do that, this show is going to be over. Everyone's going to lose their job. You know, there's a possibility that you won't ever get hired again because you'll be labeled a troublemaker. And then, of course, the person's going to be like, okay, well, I guess I'll just keep my mouth shut and I'll I'll stay away from that person. But that's been happening since cameras were made, right? And it's really sad. And now it's, it's, it's something that no one ever talks about. So it is interesting to see how many people are actually coming out and telling their stories because, you know, this is as people that have worked on film sets you know that there's a lot of terrible people. You know it's a high-pressure environment. You know that it's stressful. You know people go home sick, but then they come back sick because they don't want to lose their job. It's uh, it's exhausting. Time is money, right? There's these budgets. There's deadlines. It has to be met whether you want it or not. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it is It is nuts. And <clears throat> it's very much, you know, the people that are, you know, we look at these celebrities and the people that are starring in these things and think that, you know, they're the end all be all, you know, that they have all the power that, you know, you know, they can kind of speak their minds. But in reality, you know, they're only as good. They're only good if someone will hire them again. And it's, you know, the same people running these shows. As soon as you have a bad rep in Hollywood, it's, you know, you're basically poison and no one's going to hire you. So, um, you know, it it's terrible to see that they're it's terrible that people take advantage of other people. Um, and this is just another example of just. You know, people in power just being terrible people, and you know, it, it it really really jades everyone because I think the overall majority of people are good, and the overall majority of people in power are trying to do the right thing, um, but we never hear about them. All we hear about is the you know the dirtbags like this. 
Right. What about you, Randy? Randy any thoughts? Oh, go ahead, Dave. What were you saying? That's uh, okay. I, I was going to talk about something else, but you can go to Randy first. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to say. Um, I still watch the CW stuff, and um, I really don't like what they did with the Batwoman show after uh, Ruby Rose left anyway. Um, I feel like it's it's been weird and disjointed, and they brought her character back, played by a completely different person um, who supposedly like had all this plastic surgery to look like somebody else, and that's why it's not played by the same actor. It just feels like the whole thing was shady. That's soap was, opera, man. <laughs> it, it's soap opera. It's like... I absolutely believe she was done dirty and um, yeah, it, it's to, to hear stories about that and hear it consistently coming out of, uh, out of Warner brothers in general, like you said, with the Joss Whedon stuff too, just these toxic sets. Um, I don't know. It just blows my mind. And, and, it, and it, it boggles my mind that the fact that these productions can still go like to have people that are outspoken and are talking about how terrible they are. And yet it, to this day, they're still in production. And even even with the strike that almost happened just earlier this week, you know, a lot of that was was based around long working hours, short turnaround times, which what equates to being an unsafe work environment. Um, and with safety being like the top of mind for all these people right now and like a big hot button issue in the industry, you would think that a show that already has established issues with people getting hurt seriously um, you would you would think more care would be taken into deciding what to do with that situation. Absolutely. I know one of her complaints was, uh, you know, one guy got burned and she's like, we were traumatized I mean, aside from this guy being injured, but they were just traumatized watching flesh fall from his face as he was on fire. And I can't imagine what that would be like either for the victim or the people surrounding them. You know, that's their friend that is literally on fire and dying. And, um, you know, she said she sent to, she was like the only person that sent him flowers. And it's like, what kind of weird environment is this? You know, that's terrible. Then obviously that late. And then the lady that got injured, Warner Brothers said it was because she was on her phone and she's a PA. And all the communication that they do is through their phones and walkie talkies on this particular set. And so she's literally doing her job and getting injured while doing her job. Right. Uh, and, so that's, and that's total thing. bullshit. Everyone on set is on their phones. Right. I mean, it's for her to That's make how you that communicate with everybody. Dumb. Yeah, it's so stupid. So, I mean, of course, they're just protecting themselves and their brand and whatever. But uh, I, it is horrible. It is, it is wretched. And it, it makes me sick to my stomach. So as you're reading her stories, you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ, dude. And and we know that these 22 episode shows, you know, it's it's a better part of a year, right? It's like nine months that they're filming these shows. And then they get a two and a half month hiatus to go on vacation or whatever. She was literally a miserable human being for nine and a half months, including surgery. We're crying out loud. People die, almost dying, people being paralyzed, and the, the the big wigs not giving a fuck and saying, "And you know, I'll see you at the at the all fucking set tomorrow at like six in the morning. Be there." Right, and, and, pretty, and you know, and crazy. she's the the lead of the show, so she has all of that extra you know, burden on her. She's the one who has to get most of like the negative press and stuff like that. Michael Rosenbaum talks a lot about it. You know, um, some of his, what's his podcast site inside of you inside of you. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, so good. I watched the, I watched the clips on YouTube and like, he'll be talking with like, um, um, Tom Welling, I can't believe it was based on his name for a second. And he would be like, you know, 
I was one of like the main stars of it, but like I didn't have nearly the pressure that like Tom, that you speaking of Tom had, you know, you had to, you had to be the face, you know, anytime there's like a photo shoot, like I'm in a lot of this stuff, but every single photo is going to have you in it and stuff like that. And, you know, it's a lot, of, it's a lot of pressure on a star and, you know, especially, you know, you where, you where you get the power is you know tom willing did it for 10 years you know by the time he gets to like year five or year six you know he's really developed his cloud he's a, probably a producer on the show he's directed and director episodes. he directed episodes yeah. too to where one of you know in the first season you know batwoman and stuff like that you know ruby rose had no power um so it's just yeah. terrible that people take advantage it's when you get to like season three or four you start to see the act the talent have uh producer credits and stuff like that or like in tom willing's case start directing episodes uh, and you know he was a very inexperienced actor when he landed the role, and a lot of a lot of of Smallville, Clark Kent doesn't talk very much. <laughs> He's just kind of there, you know. It's like just stand there and look pretty. Let everybody pretty. else do the talking. <laughs> Honestly, it's like yeah. that. You yeah. know, uh, Michael Rosenbaum. He as Lex, he would he would talk and talk and talk, and then he gets to Clark's turn. And he's like, "Cool man," or "And so what's up?" You know, he's just a teenager. <laughs> And it's like kind of a running joke with them because it's like I had to learn all these lines, pages and pages of lines, and then your reply is just like, "Okay, Lex." <laughs> it's like really, guy, <laughs> you had to learn yeah. like five lines of dialogue for a for an hour long show. Why are you looking funny. at my life, Lex? I can't talk to you right now, Lex. Yeah, my 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 dad says that you're bad. <laughs> Mister Kent said all Luthers are bad. Yeah. That's I recently wa- rewatched all of Smallville. I watched all ten seasons, and um, I, I remember the Clark and Lex relationship being stronger for longer. But I mean, it's by by the end of season two. I mean, they're they've basically mostly parted ways. Like, mm-hmm. um, and it they really really painted as it it's really Clark's fault. It, <laughs> and, it is. I mean, it is I mean, in a lot Lex of ways. Wants, yeah, I, I mean, Lex is you know infringing on his life and. He wants to get answers, but that's just because he's not getting anything from Clark. And you know, you it almost gives you the vibe that if if Clark had confided in Lex Luthor, like their lives would have been very, very different. And a lot of the bad stuff that Lex does, because even even when him and Clark aren't on good terms, Lex is still a good person for you know a couple more seasons. You know, he's still trying to do good and trying to be you know try to shed that Luther name and stuff like that. And so. You know, it, it really makes it interesting. And, and even in later seasons, Clark almost starts to recognize that, like, you know, he bears some responsibility for the loss of their friendship. And the loss of their friendship really, really pans out to be one of the reasons that he turns into Lex Luthor. So right. it's very interesting in later seasons. Right. No, that's true. And, like, uh, yeah, because he had uh, Pete. That was his, that was Pete, Clark's yeah. buddy. And he knew that he was had superpowers right eventually like he learns like pretty early on the show that he is yeah he learns he learns near the end of season one and even and and he's one of the reasons i think that clark doesn't confide in more people because he kind of tells clark what a burden it is knowing his secret like that he always has to make sure that like he doesn't slip up or something like that or um you know he can't he can't 100 percent be himself that's why he leaves smallville at a certain point and so i think that he's the reason that he didn't tell Lex and he didn't tell Lana earlier and things like that. So, um, so it's a deep show. I don't think I realized that Jensen Eccles was on Smallville. Yeah. Pre-Supernatural? Yeah. 
I like him a lot. Do you remember? Do you know what character he was? I don't. Some football player. Hang on. See if I a rugby the player. Character name. I and I only saw it because I was clicking through Alice on Mac photos, and then I, oh here we go. His name was. Oh, it just says Jensen Nichols. Nope, I don't know. Somebody say. Plus, it's got an amazing Jason Teague. Oh yeah, he's um, um, from 2004 to 2005. Yeah, he, wor- he works with the Lu- he, he's a he works with the Luthers. Well, there you go. I mean, he literally left this show to go do supernatural like his 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 tenure on smallville was 2004 to 2005 supernatural started in 2005 (laughs) and didn't it run like right after smallville it was like back to back yeah i don't know maybe because i didn't get into smallville until it was like already on like season four and so i had to go back and watch seasons one two and three and then i caught up to smallville or not smallville i caught up to supernatural on season four like where I was at, I was like, oh, "Okay, cool." Now, now I'm all caught up. <laughs> yeah, I think he was Lana's girlfriend, Lana's boyfriend. Got it. Sounds about right. Pretty boy. That's right. Yeah. So he worked at the college that Lana Lang was going to, and so he was dating her. They met in Paris, and uh, Lex had him fired for improper relationship with his students. Whoa. Can't have yes. That. Whoa. I think he might have yes. died too. That he's like, I'm gonna go do this other show for like 14 goddamn seasons <laughs> or however yeah, Jason long. Was was apparently killed when a meteor struck the Kent house directly above where he was standing. Shit. He threatened Mr. Kent. 15 seasons Supernatural was on. That's a long show. Yeah, it's still going, right? It's still no, running, it's isn't it? No, it's over. Oh, it is. Yeah. I have not seen a single episode. It ended in 2020. November 19th, 2020. Oh, okay. So just recently. Yeah. But 15 years is nuts, dude. That's a long show. Yeah. ER was only 14. Really? I thought that was on forever. Fucking Law and Order has been on forever. Well, Law and Order is not currently on. Well, it's coming back. But SVU, right? That's that's been on forever. SVU is, I think, 21 seasons. That's nuts, dude. And now they have this. They have a uh, um, organized crime. They have the new ones. So they brought back um, Christopher Maloney's character from SVU, and now he's right. the star of this other one. I think they've had a crossover. I don't watch yeah, it. Alex they, watches it, but I don't. Yeah, they, almost every episode's a crossover. Amy's a big Law and Order fan too. So yeah, I'm like, oh my god, we'll be watching a movie. She's like, where do I know him from? She's like, ah, SVU. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he was on episode 222 or whatever the fuck. Everyone and their mother has been on Law & Order. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, Supernatural is 327 episodes. And, you know, that's a CW show. And so I am curious what the what the dynamic is on that set. A long-standing show with the same people. Uh, you know, they probably have sort of that same cycle of directors um, you know the the writing room. The writers obviously kind of come and go, but uh, the crew, I would imagine, would be a lot of the same people. And so that dynamic would be interesting to compare a show that's been on for 15 seasons and how they got everything, even probably by by season three or four, versus a season one season and it's 
all new. It's all fresh. They have to make it work. There's a lot of pressure. Not to excuse it, but you don't want to have a failure show, right? Especially when it's part of this bigger universe. Uh, that's got to be nuts. Yeah, I bet Supernatural, because it, you know, it started in 2005. It was probably there in the earlier days of the CW, so um, you know, it probably skated by before it got super toxic. And so by the time you know, there had been problems at CW, you know, they were probably already an established brand and they were just doing their own thing. Right. Because they have a pretty ravenous hardcore fan base. Yes. And rightfully so. I mean, 15 seasons is a big deal. I I, I stopped watching like in season... I got to like season nine and then I took a break and then I caught back up and I was on for like season 10 or 11. And then I was like, okay, I can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not because it's terrible it's just uh, at a certain point you just feel like you've seen it all already you know and then then they just up the absurdity factor and it's cool and i like the characters and all but it's eventually your day-to-day takes over and you just kind of lose interest yeah they can only up the like the bigger fish thing so many times before you lose interest like you know the first couple seasons there's always like this one bad guy and then you know, by season three, then there's like, oh, his boss. And then season four is like, that boss is boss. And then eventually you're like, I get it. I, I see where this is going. <laughs> right. And the CW uses a lot of the same people. Uh, you know, if you watch, if you watch, let's say, Vampire Diaries, or you watch Supernatural, or even Smallville, or whatever, you're going to start to see some of the same folks. <laughs> Gossip Girl, that's another one. He's like, oh, yeah, I know this guy. I've seen that person before. It's kind of funny. But anywho, uh, moving on. Uh, you guys ready to switch gears to Marvel? Sure. Yeah, why not? All right. So sad news for some folks. Uh, basically, the entire like phase four slate minus, uh, I guess, Eternals is coming out in November. It's like, whatever, two weeks from now. So going forward, though, starting with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That was previously supposed to come out in March, March 25th, 2022, and now that is delayed to, to May, May 6th, 2022. It was going to be on my birthday. Oh, I botched it. I'm okay with that. I mean, Disney's been pumping out all kinds of Marvel shows. It's, yeah, and I mean, with the exception of you know the one, uh, they're all, all getting pushed back like two months. That's not the end of the world. Yeah, it's no big deal. And it's they, from what I understand, it has been production related, uh, and it and it's just a matter of of uh, dotting eyes and crossing t's and making everything just be better at the end of the day. You know, giving an extra window. I think one could probably argue that the success of Shang Chi in theaters. Uh, during a pandemic is a big deal. And if they can ride that wave out another two months or so, or just kind of push it back in hopes that more people are going to continue to go to the movie theater, then that's a good thing. Especially since now it's, these are all slated for in theaters only. Uh, We do have Spider-Man coming out in December. So we have a November release. We have a December release. It's okay to wait a couple more months. uh, And shit from from March. I I get the feeling too that, you know, since they're doing, it's almost like they're trying to put a new, like, like a through line through them. Like, maybe they're adding this one thing to each of these movies to to make them more interconnected or something like that. Right. So maybe they're they're feeling the, um, you know, not the outcry, but the kind of 
complaints about Shang-Chi and, uh, you know, uh, Black Widow, that they're, they don't feel as connected as past Marvel movies um, to where I could see them trying to, to do something to where, you know, whether it's adding mutants or hints of the Fantastic Four or something like that, adding like a breadcrumb or two to each of the films to kind of um, ready you for something coming down the pike for Marvel. Right. And I do think that with Black Widow, it would have been cooler if it came out, you know, while everyone was still alive, <laughs> instead of it being more of like a, uh, like if it came out in sequential order, I think that would have made a difference. Right. Yeah. You know, her on the run. If it would have, if it would have been released post uh, Civil War, but pre uh, Infinity War. Infinity War. Cooler. Yeah. But what can you do? Uh, moving on, we have Thor: Love and Thunder. That was previously slated for May, and that is now coming out in July. That'll be your sort of near Fourth of July weekend. It's it's uh, July eighth. So when does Fourth of July fall under? Just out of curiosity, must be like a Tuesday or Tuesday. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. Yeah. Interesting. That movie looks like it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to see a trailer for that. I'm ready for fucking more Thor, especially now that uh, you know we have. Taika Waititi at the helm. Uh, Ragnarok's one of my favorite Marvel movies. I think it's one of all of our favorite Marvel movies. And so I'm ready to see more of that. I think that'll be fun. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that with DC fandom kind of dominating the weekend's news cycle, that Monday Marvel was going to drop something like the the next Spider-Man trailer or you know a teaser for something that we hadn't seen yet. But uh, I guess Marvel uh, was being nice to DC. Didn't mm-hmm. want to steal their thunder. I do think it's a little weird timetable wise if dr strange was supposed to come out in march that is relatively soon that's november december january february march five months away so we are at the trailer range you know what i mean (laughs) it's it's not uncommon for us to have seen the trailer by now and i think it's kind of weird that we haven't yeah i agree we don't need to see much just something you know, I wonder if the, if the post-credit scene for Spider-Man is um, some form of first look or trailer at Doctor Strange. Right. Well, maybe that's just it, right? Because whatever happens in Spider-Man is definitely going to fuck things up, as we saw in the trailer. <laughs> so it probably won't. Whatever they show us on Doctor Strange, it won't make sense. And it could find a way to spoil what's in Spider-Man because we haven't seen it yet. Right. So I guess that makes sense. Plus, we don't even know if Doctor Strange is in Spider-Man. It's Mephisto, remember? That's what everyone's with the internet says. That's right. I don't think that's true. At this point, I think Marvel's just trolling all of us and like, oh yeah, they think it's Mephisto. Let's uh, let's put all these tie-ins. Let's, let's run with it. Yeah. Uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. That is now. That was originally July eighth, so that that's actually the slot that Thor is in, and that got bumped all the way to November. 11 11 2022 which by the way this 11 11 11 11 2021 we the three of us we three are gonna go watch rocky four <laughs> the the slide cut and i am so fucking excited i'm not even gonna lie man i'm so pumped to watch this movie i can't wait <laughs> 40 more minutes of rocky four you better it's believe ending. it buster i'm pumped too this is going to be Randy's return to the cinema. Yes. I think he's going this weekend. 
No, uh-huh. I'm 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 cheating and doing everything from home this weekend. Both Dune and uh, Halloween Kills. Cheater, cheater. Is Halloween yeah. Kills streaming? Yeah. It is. It's on so Peacock. Peacock. Oh yeah, that's right. I yeah. forgot about that. You could watch it. Didn't you see Black Widow in the theater, Randy? I did see Black Widow in the theater, so it's not my complete oh. return. To the theater. But uh, that was before my wife got COVID. And um, since then, it's been... Um, and mind you, she and I were both vaccinated. She got a breakthrough case. So um, she's been kind of hesitant to get back out to the movie theater. So we've been playing it safe and watching movies from home, waiting for the right opportunity to get back out there. So right. there we are. Well, I hope Rocky Four lives up to your Rocky Five in the theater experience. Or you saw that drive-in or something? No, no, it, it was at a theater. It was at a okay. theater. That's the only Rocky movie I've seen. Wait, no, I take that back. I saw Creed in the theater, and I may have seen Rocky Balboa in the theater. Oh, okay, well, those I are definitely fun. saw Creed. So um, I can't say that Rocky Five is my only quote-unquote Rocky movie in the theater, but Rocky Four, I'm looking forward to. Sweet, I can't wait. I'm pumped. I saw Four and On at the movie theaters. That's great. I, my name is Rocky Five, Rocky Balboa, Creed, Creed Two. Those are my theater experiences with the Rocky Balboa. But yeah, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. That's another one that's got a big question mark over it. Like, how is that going to be handled? How's it going to be done? You know, what? How emotional is it going to be? Um, Ryan Coogler is one hell of a filmmaker. Uh, he's one of the like the best in the business. So I can't wait to see how that's going to play out. And that that takes us to 2022. And then we have um, Untitled Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones and the the Broken Shoulder or whatever the fuck. Yeah, that was was the July uh, 2029, or July 29th, 2022 to now June 30th. My birthday, Dave, of 2023. Go for it, Randy. What were you going to say? So an 11-month delay and... I mean, part of it, I guess, could be understandable because production was kind of shut down for a little while because Harrison Ford had an injured shoulder. But the interesting thing, and I've been kind of watching very closely at all the spoilers coming out of the Indy 5 set, of which there are plenty, and I could, I've heard shit that will turn you white. But <laughs> um, I'm not going to repeat it on the show because I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it for any of you that that are really looking forward Timey to the genuine. <laughs> Well, yeah, David just spoiled it a little bit there for you. It may involve no, no, no. We don't know this for sure, but uh, allegedly it may involve time travel. But yeah, you know what I know for sure, Randy? This movie is never coming out. (laughs) It's coming out June 30th, 2023. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was originally supposed to come out 2019. Wasn't that the original release date? Yeah, it was June 5th, 2019. Back in 2015 or 2014 when Disney announced all the slate of movies it was going to be putting out. Uh, yeah, so I mean, <laughs> this, this movie should already be two years old by now. I mean, this whole in- ordeal has been time travel, it feels like. So, um, we'll believe it's it never. when we see it. But Harrison Ford wasn't out for that long, he was back on set pretty quickly, and it seemed that they had somebody else in his wardrobe with tracking dots all over their face, like on days that Harrison Ford wasn't there. Like he was convalescing, like nursing his injured shoulder, and they had some like stunt guy you know, with similar build, similar hair, uh, like acting out a lot of his stuff for like some certain stunt sequences that look like they might extend into full on sequences. Then they're just going to CG Harrison Ford's face on him. 
So I think that's a really interesting way to not lose much production time. Um, when your lead actor gets injured, just go ahead and CG his face on somebody else's body and keep on shooting. Um, How do you think that's so, going to work? Do you think that'll be seamless for the audience? Well, uh, that's a good question, and I'm not entirely sure the answer because uh, there's a lot of scenes from the first few weeks of production that we saw and well photos that we saw anyway leaked that were harrison ford's face covered with little tracking dots all over it so people were thinking okay that's how they're going to digitally de-age him um because he's wearing his iconic indiana jones outfit which really could be any point in time from the 30s forward so um and his physique is virtually the same obviously you know his hands look older and right. you know if you watched um the Irishman on uh, Netflix, you'll see what it looks like to CG young faces on old bodies when they try to kick the shit out of somebody. They still look like doddering old men. So uh, I don't know exactly how it's going to work with Harrison Ford, but he's pretty spry. So maybe it'll and maybe it'll work. Maybe he'll pull it off. But um, but it looks like, yeah, there's going to be some digital de-aging and thrown into the mix, throw tracking dots on another dude's face. And let's just go ahead and do a face swap. I mean, honestly, the uh, the deep fake technology is there. Um, and it's pretty goddamn convincing uh, these days. So it's horrifying. I think uh, like the the deep fake and just how someone could be used. Like there was this this whole Tom Cruise thing where he's like cooking, like cooking with Tom Cruise, and it's not really him, but it mm. looks just like him. <laughs> he's like, holy shit, dude, that's weird. Uh, just the very idea of of likeness and and how someone is making money off of your face is just that's a whole nother brave new world type of shit and i i am not prepared for that <laughs> you know we talk about like doctored footage and you know like lee harvey oswald technology you know like it was just a polaroid and then and this is him with the rifle and is it fake is it real and now in this world that we live in with so much misinformation uh, on on social media sites, it is crazy to think that now you don't even know if who you're looking at is really who you're looking at. And I think that's so. Do you want to hear something that's absolutely going to blow your mind? And maybe I'm you've already scared. heard about this. So, imagine this in the current world right now, but also in the not too distant future, it could be more popular. Um, a big name actor doesn't even have to be there on set for production, um, but. They could deep fake their face onto the, the the head, the face of another actor, and the actor would still get paid for it, and they're just basically selling their likeness rights. Yeah. So, so that like actually happened. <laughs> that actually, well, that actually happened. So Bruce Willis, who is kind of like, especially in this stage in his career, notorious for like collecting big paychecks for basically just rolling out of bed, showing up and not putting a whole lot of effort in. He's going so far to phone it in that he will sell his likeness rights and allow a company. It was like in, in, in Russia or Japan or some damn place they were doing like some sort of food commercial. And he was going to be like a not necessarily a spokesperson, but he was re he was replaying the role of John McClane or something like that. And uh, it had the the hero of the story of the commercial was somebody from whatever part of the world this happens in. And forgive me for not knowing about this for for not knowing specifics, but I wasn't planning on talking about it. But um, but anyway, they they fucking just deep faced uh, deep faked. Uh, Bruce Willis's face on on uh, on an actor on a random actor, and Bruce Willis got the paycheck for being in it. 
quote unquote in it and a spokesperson for it because his likeness was used That's from crazy. across the world. He never showed up a day on set and he got, you know, a big payday and, uh, you know, their VFX team just kind of, kind of did their magic. And I don't even know if he had any lines. Maybe he had a couple words that he said or something like that, but it was mostly just his likeness. And it just shit like that is going to become more prevalent. And that just blew me away. So, so that that is fucking nuts. But like, what about things like like Tarkin, right? Like Peter Cushing in Rogue One, you know, someone that is no longer alive, having some role in a movie. That's another thing that's really weird, right? Like, it looks like a little video gamey, I suppose, and mm -hmm. so did Carrie Fisher. But it is weird having someone that hasn't been on this planet for a long time showing up in a fucking movie. I think that's so crazy. Yeah, yeah, and, and what's even weirder is there was, you know, they had John Wayne in a Bud Light commercial. Right. And, I forgot about I mean, that. Like, I mean, like, can you imagine, like, you're dead and, like, you, your family gets to decide, like, what you sell? What if, the fam what if, what if like, um, you know, Tampax offered, like, the John Wayne estate, like, $200 million to make John Wayne the spokesperson for tampons? You think John Wayne would have wanted to do that? I don't know. It's crazy. That is crazy. What about Randy? Are you are you for or against uh, actors that are no longer post? What is it? Posthumous? What's the posthumous, word? Yeah, posthumous? Posthumous yeah. appearances or, or yeah. being cast posthumously into movies. See, <clears throat> I mean, like you guys have said, it, it it gets into a weird kind of slippery slope. Like when you give the the ability to make these decisions to the family or to the estate, you know. Um, what products are they going to end up hawking? What kind of turd movies are they going to end up in? Um, will it tarnish their legacy? Uh, chances are yes. But for the for the situation of Star Wars, where pretty much everybody who was in it signed away their likeness rights to, to Lucas and Lucasfilm, um, I, I know they probably still had to get the approval and okay of Peter Cushing's estate to, to make new material with him in it. Um, at least they were pretty well equipped to do it. Now, there's still the Uncanny Valley effect where you could definitely tell it wasn't real. Um, it looked really good when he wasn't talking, but you know when he actually kind of opened his mouth to speak, you could tell the dialogue wasn't quite there. Um, the lip movements, something about the, the, the whole face movement just wasn't quite there. You could tell it was just generated by a computer. Um, Do you think that people that aren't familiar with Peter Cushing and when he died... Like, um, like Dave, do you think like your kids or maybe like teenagers in general would be able to, to spot that? Or It'd do be you a while. Tarkin aged really well. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm curious if, if, if because we know who the actor is and that he's been dead for decades, does that make yeah. an, an opinion? Does that influence our opinion on how well it looks? I think it absolutely does because our brain knows that that's not really him to where, you know, my kids, they don't know that peter cushing is dead so they're not looking with it as a crucial line. it's kind of like the whole superman mustache thing like if someone hadn't told me that there was poor cgi on his mustache <laughs> i would have never noticed um but because there was such 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 so much stuff brought up about it um right. I, I think audience goers could go in there blissfully ignorant and i think that the technology was good enough to where they wouldn't have noticed because they didn't know this person was not alive so their brain's not looking for like we're looking for like 
wow, I know he's not alive. How good did, how good does the CGI look and stuff like that? So we're really, really scrutinizing it. So I think uh, an audience member who doesn't know, I don't think they notice. Got it. But I mean, oh, what, what happens what? about like public domain? Like, you know, creative things after 100 years, you know, become public domain. Can Can people become public domain now? I don't know. I think as soon as we set a precedent, then yes. Sounds like a moral question for the courts. Yeah. yeah. It is interesting. It's funny you brought up uh, Henry Cavill because when it when the new footage, you know, Joss Whedon shot that whole thing with the kids doing the blog, right? And they're talking to the cell phone with... with... Max Snyder? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I have to get back. Yeah, so it's Joss Whedon. Yeah, he reshot that, that intro yes. to where Correct. it's kids interviewing Superman. I didn't even think that that was Henry Cavill. I thought it was just some asshole dressed up as Superman, and they were talking to this guy. <laughs> when I first watched it, I'm like, "Who the hell is this guy?" I'm like, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, it's like some CG mustache room because he had like the mustache for uh, Mission Impossible, right?" Yeah. And so yeah, I didn't even recognize it as Henry Cavill. I thought I was like, "Who is this asshole?" I don't even know this guy. Who's this Sunset Boulevard Henry Cavill looking motherfucker? <laughs> oh, that's funny shit. Um, I mean, that's pretty much it for the list. It shows that the Marvels is now went from November 2022 to February 2023. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is, uh, went from February to July. Um, and then it's just untitled Marvel movies, basically. So in your heart of heart, Randy's, do you think Indiana Indy 5 is going to come out? Yeah, it's absolutely going to come out. Right. And I'll do you one better. It'll come out while I'm still alive. Well, Will you commit to it being amazing before, <laughs> before no, you see it? Not at all. <laughs> not at all. I, I, I am hoping, and and if I prayed, I would be praying. But um, I am I am keeping all my appendages crossed. All right. Yeah, yeah. I don't think this movie's happening, Randy. I'm sorry. It's definitely happening. You get There's the fucking Roman soldiers in it. What if the timey wimey stuff is just? Doctor Who premieres for the first time on BBC. <laughs> watching the Doctor Who special. <laughs> yeah, what do you think I was talking about? Yeah, no big deal. Totally. Talking about Russian scientists making Doctor Mindbender is making a time machine, and, and Indiana Jones is going to stop it. I got so many things I want to say. I want to tell you guys, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm biting my tongue over here. The rumors oh, could, could very well be true. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, or I don't want to dash anybody's hopes if they don't want it to be real. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I want to run something by you guys. You know, since we all know that Daniel Craig's not returning as James Bond, and they're going to inevitably have to reboot with another actor. Um, do you think, you know, because a lot of James Bond, even current James Bond, revolves around like relics of like the Cold War. Do you think that going forward they should just make Bond a period piece and just set it in the 60s at the height of the Cold War? Or do you want to see the next Bond continue to be modern um, and, you know, uh, just have you know, references back to Cold War era stuff? What, what, what's your his thought on that, it being a if, period piece? Sure. Uh, if I could answer first, Randy. Sure, go ahead. Um, I, think it, I think it would be fucking awesome if it was a period piece. Uh, only in that there's this, uh, I think it would bring the romance back to Bond. Uh, I think it would still be brutal, but I do think that there's something cool about the cars of the of the 60s 
You know, uh, I like the idea of like from Russia with love, the passenger car trains, you know, like I love the the idea of just this era of, of spy thriller and the technology that exists. And, and I love how it's an analog technology and we wouldn't have hacking and, and, and they would be able to do stuff and, and it had to be physically possible to do. Now we're talking about fucking nanobots in every show. We're talking about hacking in every show and, and I'm over it. I want it to be blunt force trauma, James Bond. <laughs> so I would prefer if, if it went back to a cold war era with without using stereotypical russian bad guys you know i don't need a boris in every movie you know what i mean <laughs> i i like the idea of fun wonky bond villains uh, which we even still kind of got to a degree in this one with the guy with the eye you know i like the character to have something weird and off-putting and i think that you can get away with that a little bit more in a cold war era bond film randy go I'm going to take an opposite stance to that, um, only in as much as I really like seeing new Bond gadgets. I like seeing new Bond tech. And there's only so far you can drive tech in the 60s or 70s, you know? Um, so I, I kind of like seeing where they'll go with the new Bond gadgets. And um, while on yeah, one hand, yeah. I, I think it would be great to, to see a consistent time period. And no matter who they cast as Bond, that it is still set within that that window eventually you're going to kind of run out of stories i feel like like eventually that cold war cold war you know cuban missile crisis era of of the red threat it, it, you're only going to be able to mine so much from it and it's the same way i feel about indiana jones i'm like i would love it if they did reboot it and if they did not maybe not reboot, but if, if they did keep it locked in the thirties and forties, maybe even jump as early as the twenties. And if you uh, just put different actors in there and had it so that any of the stories could take place, they don't all have to be chronological, but they, you know, they don't like cancel each other out or they don't disregard this movie or that movie, have a consistent series and keep it in, in a specific time period and have the Nazis as always the overarching bad guys. Not obviously not in the twenties when Nazis didn't exist, but I mean, you know, once, once they come into prevalence, have that be just the general Indiana Jones, bad guy. Um, I think that would, that's part of the romance of that character is that era. And part of what didn't work about crystal skull was taking him out of that era. Right. And I mean, if you were to make bond a period piece, I mean, you could go from, like 1960 to like the late 80s and you know still i mean even you could even take in the early 90s as like cold war dissidents who were still around so i think there's a lot of a lot of things to mind what what it is is i've i've watched a couple of you know the daniel craig bonds and the pierce brosnan bonds like the through line for almost all of these movies were like you're a relic of the cold war blah 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 we don't need you anymore and and i just I'm just tired of that like narrative. <laughs> and uh, so that was the only reason that made me think like, you know, it'd be kind of cool if we just took this into a period piece to where, um, you know, and you could have modern sensibilities. He doesn't have to be slapping many penny on the butt and stuff like that. You know, it can still have that, that modern sensibility, but I think just setting it in the cold war, you know, I think I, when I think bond, I just, I just think like he's, he's fucking duking with the Russians and this inspector. Um, but right. My, my biggest problem is this technology. Uh, I, I like I, I can't stand how convenient it is to just be able to write some nanobot machine makes a Spider-Man suit. Some nanobot thing makes a virus. Some nanobot thing 
opens the door to 7-Eleven when they close the one time when they're supposed to be open 24 hours a day. And I, I just, I hate it. I hate the convenience of hacking things. I, it drives me fucking insane. And it right, just makes everything lazy. Yeah, because I mean, the, the beauty of Bond is he's the guy that's in the room. But the way James Bond movies are now, you almost don't need someone in the room. You know, right. you like you said, you can hack it. You can have drones and nanobots and Pac-Man video games. <laughs> right. It fucking uh, irritates me, Dave. I hate it. I hate I, it. I, I, I'm with you. Like, I mean, like, so there's so much that in the last couple of James Bond movies that he didn't need to be there for. And it breaks my heart that, like, they don't need the guy in the room. And it's 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 come to the point to where, you know, I, I wouldn't even classify James Bond as a spy in, like, the last, you know, de- couple decades. You know, he's just an assassin. I mean, they right. send him places to murder people. Like, he's not—he's no longer gathering information. You know, like the the Roger Moore's of it all, with like the little spy cam and stuff like that, to where you needed someone in the room to take those pictures. You know, that was espionage. That was him being a spy for the for Queen and Country. You know, Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig—they're just go here and kill this person. So that, I mean, that, that's not a spy. That's that, that's an assassin. Right in a, in a digital world, to where like and and he's he's always under the moniker of James Bond, right? So he, he if you were to go to a hotel, even even the one in the third world would still make him put in a valid email address to fucking register <laughs> for a hotel, and so he would be getting spam calls or or junk email on his phone because there's just no escaping the beast that is the internet, and it fucking drives me insane. I I want to go back to a '60s Bond. I think that would be so fucking cool, and and whatever if his if it's a bow tie camera or it's a fucking pen that is a single shot pen kind of thing. I don't know. Just I want him to have cool gadgets and done in a really neat way, but at the without the the, the this amazing handicap that exists with with digital media it fucking drives me insane. Right, and I know Randy hasn't seen Dying of the Day, so I won't spoil it. But like the basic no time premise, to die. No time to die. Oh, sorry, no time to die. What I say. Die another, another day. day. That's, that's the last like Pierce Bronson one. That's a different one. Um, just the convenience of like the weapon that James Bond is trying to stop, like it just it, it it's almost like a microcosm for everything Justin said about just like the overall reliance on technology and how it basically ruins things. <laughs> um, you know, to have this weapon that can do the kind of targeting that it does, and uh, it just kind of renders everything else obsolete. And it's like, well, why do we need anybody? You know where this all started? I'll tell you where it started. Started with with Chloe on Smallville with her laptop and her barnyard Wi-Fi. Hundred <laughs> percent. If I could just use my school computer to hack into the DMV, I can get you a driver's license, and then you can yeah. get into the club and save the day. And it's like, okay, calm down. <laughs> right, it's such a crutch. Right, it's so stupid. It's Fucking like right don't know how to get out of this this corner, like. Oh, Chloe hacks something. Yeah. Whereas if he's if James Bond has to, you know, uh, charter a ship, go to Morocco and find the guy with the tiny fez hat, right? Now he's got he's got to use his skills to do it. You know, he got intelligence that this guy that Mister Fez was hanging out at Club Ricks or something, and then he's going to go and 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 try and track him down. And and that would be that sounds cooler to me than. Than them able to just track a satellite imaging and from an office and say, oh. okay, this is exactly where he's at. Yeah, facial cafe American. Is, yeah, yeah, facial recognition is my that that's the one that irritates me the most. Is like 
<laughs> just like I have live feeds of every camera on the planet, and I'm just looking for this one person, and I'm like, right. so stupid, right? Yeah, or, yeah I like no. what you're talking to, where you know Bond has to go to Doctor No's Island to like try to find somebody or something like that, you know. Tour in modern Bond movies, they know exactly where like everyone is. Oh, he's at this island over there. Just just go that way. To where before he had to like follow leads and like be a spy and like be in the right place at the right time. He'd have to work. He'd have to like old Bond movies. He'd have to work his way up through the henchmen. Like he would be like, oh, this is an associate of Doctor No. You know, let me follow him, and they'd have their own interaction in their fight. And he'd get you have to ask him the him. question three times. Yeah, Damn, exactly. three times. <laughs> and that would send you know the, he'd ask Mustafa the same question three times, and that would lead him to Doctor Evil, as opposed to nowadays. You know, it, it devalues the henchmen because they're not nearly as cool. Because it's like I know exactly where Blofeld is. I know exactly where Mister White is. I know exactly where these people are um, because they drove. They were in the back seat of some car that drove by some traffic light in Bolivia, and we got a hit. Right, and that's another thing you bring up an interesting point with with Blofeld and how he basically ruled the world. And in, in a pinky in the brain world, it's it's Blofeld runs the show, and he knows where Bond is at all times, and he's he's uh, ahead of the game. He's ahead of MI6 or whatever, and uh, it's just weird. It's just like okay. This asshole just knows everything about everything, and everyone is connected on their phones, and they're all able to talk to each other. They all know who James Bond is. That's just ridiculous. I agree. I to As someone movie that movie. loves the Bond films, I can I, we can all step back and say, yeah, that's fucking stupid, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see a radical new direction. Um, I, I mean, I think that you know the King's Man, you know the the Kingsman prequel. I think that might be a good barometer on if people would accept it because Kingsman is very much, you know, a, a gadget heavy, you know, shoot 'em up type thing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that translates to, you know, the World War II version that we're going to get um, mm-hmm. in a couple months. I think it's going to be cool, man. Yeah. But I, I'm with you. I, I, lo- I love analog tech. You know, I know that it's not as cool sometimes as tracking someone on a satellite, but like, I don't know. There's something romantic about it. He's gonna have to. Bond's gonna have to go to the front desk at the hotel and see if there's any messages for him. He's gonna yes. have to decode said message. <laughs> Paging Mr. Much... Herman, please come to the front <laughs> desk, Mr. Herman. Do you know how much shit is ruined by just having a cell phone in your pocket? You know how many shows that we watched in like the '60s, '70s, and '80s wouldn't be shows in today's era because right. everyone would just pick up their phone and be like, "Oh yeah, come pick me up." Yeah, 100. percent Horror movies wouldn't exist. Crazy, or, or they'd be boring as fuck, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, even into the '90s, you know, watching rewatching Buffy, and it's like, man, if only they had a car, or if only they had a phone, <laughs> they, they could totally just take this shit out, easy peasy. So funny, yeah, it's nuts. Uh, speaking speaking of TV shows, I, I know I took us on a tangent for James Bond, um, but have you guys heard or seen uh, the show Mythic Quest? No. Oh man, it's 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 pretty good. It's streaming. I'm trying to remember where it's streaming. I think it might be on. I think I'm watching it either on Hulu or Netflix. It's one of the big ones. Uh, so, so basically, uh, it's it's written by a lot of like the uh, always sunny people, uh, like Charlie Day is one of the creators, and uh, Rob McElhenney. He's one it's of on the Apple TV, by the way. I was on Apple TV. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I know I keep recommending Apple TV shows, but basically, what it is is it's following this group. So they've made this like super popular MMO. Let's just call it World of Warcraft because that's you know clearly what it's pretending to be. 
And so the first season is them launching their first big expansion. And, you know, it's got the the creator um, who's played by um, McElroy. And he's just one of those, like, bumbling, like, this is my legacy. You know, everything's about him type thing. And then they have, like, a writer who was, like, a, a Hugo Award-winning writer in, like, the 60s. So he's, like, a really old. And they have all these, like, interns and stuff like that. Um, uh, I, they just got approved for the seasons three and four. So the first two seasons are out. But as someone who played many, many years of World of Warcraft and who is very steepled in, like, the culture of both uh, fans of the genre as well as, like, how the genre has changed over the last 10 years, um, it is it is very, very poignant. <laughs> and um, if it, I guess, goes on a platform that you do have other than Apple+, Plus, um, or if you do get Apple+, Plus after you watch Ted Lasso, um, definitely check out Mythic Quest. It's uh, It's a lot of fun. I think I have Apple Plus for a year now with my phone. Yeah, if you got your phone, you should get it for a year. So yeah, so watch Ted Lasso, two seasons, and then watch the two seasons of Mythic Quest. Okay. And then pretend you don't have Apple Plus until either of those shows come back. Got it. I'll do that. I have. I I finally knocked Squid Game out of my rotation. Uh, yeah. That's one that's been, I guess, two last two months now. Everyone's been talking about it. Yeah. So got to plow through that. I, I'm not comfortable talking about it right now because there's still people that haven't seen it. Um, but it's definitely worth checking out. I watched it subtitled. Uh, one or both of you might have watched it dubbed. But um, I am glad that I watched it. As as sad and depressing it is and how lonely and desperate the humans are on the show, <laughs> there's a lot of characters that you just are not rooting for. <laughs> it's crazy yeah. when you think about it. You're just like... When is this person not going to be on the show anymore? Mm-hmm. Well, now you get all the memes and you get all like the gifts and all the stuff that right, all the kids right. are talking about. Right. I watched the um, the pitch meeting for it today. Now that I'm done with the show, it was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's pretty absurd, but it's it's fun. I needed a fun and and in a weird, depressing way, it is also a fun show. I'm glad that I watched it. There's a lot of oh fuck moments. It's like whoa, and yeah. and one episode in particular uh, really was was an intense watch. And I think it was the sixth episode, and um, and I just remember as I was watching it, I was just so sad and and on edge at the same time, like a nail biting kind of episode. And it really just shows, how, you know, humans and how we just want to fight to survive and what you're willing to do to survive it's pretty crazy just watching it all play out and especially after relationships have been formed and then betrayals and things like that you're just like this is like shakespeare shit right now you know is that the marbles episode yeah the marbles episode and i'm just like oh man this is crazy so um if you haven't watched it uh definitely check it out there's so many good shows right now you know like i can't wait for barry to come back that's one of my favorite shows. Ozark's finally returning. Um, fucking, you know, you're all into Ted Lasso. That just finished its second season. Uh, it's just, it's a lot happening right now. Heels, that's another one. It's on Stars. Uh, if you love wrestling or you, you maybe 30 years ago you loved wrestling, it's, it's just a really cool show. And I love uh, sort of getting this behind the scenes uh, view of how wrestlers are in their everyday life and especially in small town independent wrestling stuff like that um it's really good so Stephen amell it's fucking awesome 
Uh, it's only eight episodes in the first season. It's all done for right now. But man, that show is fucking awesome. Love it, love it, love it. And it's yeah, just cool. on my list. I, I, gotta, I, I have to watch it. Yeah, it's it's really good. I mean, I remember after I watched one episode, I'm, I immediately texted like, hey, are there any other like independent wrestling <laughs> like firms around like now that I can go watch wrestling? I was just like, ah, I need to watch wrestling right now. And uh, just sort of a, you know, a, a step away from the WWE dynamic and just have some sort of small town wrestling vibe is kind of what I was going for. I'm just, I was literally just sucked into this world and I love it so much. And, um, and what's cool is that I would wake up Sunday morning. It airs Sunday night on Stars, and it was just available Sunday. So I'd wake up in the morning. Alex was still sleeping, and I'm just watching this show in the morning, and and just loving every second of it. I'm like, ah, just sort of set the tone for my day. Uh, but there's just a lot of really cool shit. That Witcher returns next in whatever December. Can't wait for that. And so one of the cool things about uh, these streaming services and their original programming is it's it's removed. The, the the fall schedule and watching TV from September through through May basically that doesn't exist anymore. Well, now we're watching it all twelve months. We have something to tune into, and we have the streaming services to thank for that. I don't I don't really care if network television goes the way of the dodo because right now I have pay for so many streaming services that I like that I always have something to watch. <laughs> Randy, I see you shaking your head that you mm-hmm. agree with that. <laughs> oh, totally, yeah. I'd be I'd be lost without streaming services at this point. I've become dependent. Right. It's 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 one thing after another. Same with Disney Plus, right? They're just pumping out these fucking Marvel shows, these Star Wars shows, and then you got your HBOs, you got your Hulu's. We're all watching different things. And and it's funny because it's almost like trading baseball cards. You're like, hey, do you have this? Okay, yeah, check this out. You know, it's so funny how that exists. Like you, Dave, you didn't even know this show that you really enjoy what fucking platform it was on. We're all so lost. We just know that it's on our TV. All we got to do is turn on the TV and we'll see it. We don't give a shit what streaming channel it's on. We just have to watch it. It's so funny that we've turned into that. Yeah. It's just crazy. You're just just scrolling through, trying to find something. They ought to make an app that's like a TV guide, but for streaming services. Someone uh, my, my that. It's a million dollar idea. It kind of it kind of curates them all, and so you know it'll show like uh, all of these different things, and I'm like, oh, I want to watch this, and then it ends up being on like the IMDb channel or some bullshit like that. Right. So I watch with commercials, but um, uh, it does. Uh, one of the good things about Apple Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus now that you have it is uh, it'll really cur- it'll it'll do that curation for you. So if you add your shows in there, it'll it'll create almost like a like a super list. Um, and you can, it'll automatically switch you to the individual platforms um, oh, that you cool. want to watch them on. Yeah. I'll go check that out. Yeah. Cause now, now I even have Peacock. So many different things. I don't have, I think Paramount Plus is the only thing I don't have. And Shutter. I, I had Shutter, but I don't have it anymore. Yeah. I have Paramount Plus, but I don't, I don't have Shutter. I don't like horror movies. I'm a wuss. Okay. Yeah. There's a couple like documentaries that are on there too that are kind of cool. I've become this documentary person somehow. I don't know when that happened, but it's definitely fun. Documentaries just got good, you know, over the last 10, 20 years. You know, it seemed like documentaries when we were kids were all like National Geographic or, you know, like those Disney animal documentary kind of things, Wonderful World of Color, that kind of thing. But all of a sudden they got like really interesting and telling amazing stories and they 
are shooting them very cinematically and it's just stuff that's that we kind of care about already and now you get to hear all these inside facts it's fascinating right and the and the documentarians are they're our age now so they're making stories that are interesting to our time frame you know to where you know 20 years ago they were making stuff that was interesting to our parents and now we're in that that kind of like cue demo key demo where the filmmakers are making movies that they would be interested in and just happens to align with us just because we're the same age right um i started watching one on netflix over the um over the weekend and it was called uh bad sport have you heard of that oh yeah that's good yeah holy shit so the first episode uh dealt with uh the the point shaving scandal uh with uh arizona state university and it was fucking cool man just seeing that all play out in the different sides and uh, it was it was pretty cool. Uh, uh, Stephen Smith uh, headache, right? So he was the the point guard for um, Arizona State, and just how he was racked up gambling debts, and then the point shaving happens, and then all you know this big player from fucking Chicago starts making all this money, gets upwards of like ten million dollars, and then it starts red flagging. But he's going to all the different casinos. He hires his dad, his dad's buddies. They make these bets for. Uh, whatever, $9,999 or something like that. Something that, that'll just yeah. be under the limit for the red flag of, of you know, alerting yeah, the FBI. Which automatically, like, triggers, like, a question. Right. And and the more bets that are placed, that's when the, the spread starts to shift, right? So he's literally controlling uh, the, the points, which I think is really interesting. And then, of course, it all coming out, him leaving school, it gets it's crazy. And then the second episode was a racing one. This guy, uh, Randy Lanier, and how he was he was basically importing uh, marijuana to to pay for his racing team. <laughs> and it's fucking nuts, dude. So I've only I've only watched two episodes. I, I went and looked at different different stories to see what I was going to be interested in. And one of them was called Horse Hitman, which was oh my. Don't watch that I, one. Yeah, I wasn't going to. This guy that's killing show horses. I was like, oh, for insurance fraud. Oh. I was like, I can't, I can't watch that. So I just kind of turned my head. But it was really cool. Uh, Bad sport. It's on Netflix. Uh, it occupied. It, it took over my Sunday morning because I didn't have heels to watch. <laughs> I'm literally just watching it in bed, and just eating my fucking breakfast. I'm like, the show is so fucking crazy. I love it. Yeah, there's so. there's a there's another documentary or sports documentary series called Untold. It's also on Netflix, and their first episode is the Malice at the Palace. I don't know if you remember, there was a, a game between in Detroit where uh, it was Detroit versus the Pacers. Oh, and, the fight, right? The brawl. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the one where um, Jim not, Gray starts uh, fucking crying. Yeah, when Ron Artest went into the crowd and started fighting fans. <laughs> yeah, well, that guy threw a water. Well, someone threw something at him, and then he started beating up a guy that didn't throw it. Right. It yeah. Like, so, yeah. so he was. Uh, they were getting in a fight on the floor and Ron Artest went and sat on the scorekeeper table and like laid down. And then yeah, someone threw a drink at him. And as soon as it hit him, he just pops up and goes to beat the shit out of the guy who he thinks threw it. Of course it wasn't the right guy. And the two of his teammates, they go into the crowd and the three of them just start throwing punches. And then at one point they realize there's three of us and there's like 20,000 of them. So they like retreat back onto like the court. Cause they think the court is safe. But then at this point, like, now the fans are like, well, fucking game on now. So they're like <laughs> running onto the court and, um, you know, the, they have like off-duty cops that are that work sporting events for like uh, overtime and stuff like that. But, you know, even they couldn't hold it back. So they had to like call all these people in and uh, it just deals with like kind of like the, the consequences of all their actions and stuff like that. It's, it's nuts. 
Yeah, I, I remember when that happened. I was in college when that happened. I remember yeah. watching, and I I've never liked that Jim Gray. I talked about him on the show before. I, I it pains me every time I say his fucking name. I can't stand that guy. When he yeah, like ambushed Pete Rose, Pete Rose yeah, fuck yeah. that guy. I can't stand him. Um, I am not. Then, I think it, that is the most uh, unprofessional thing he could have ever done. What a dick. Yeah, and if you have ESPN Plus, you know, thirty for thirty is they're they're all incredible. And yes, which I now have. Oh, perfect. Yeah, they just did a four-part series on the 86 Mets, the the, the Miracle Mets type thing. Um, and so that's really great. You know, they had the they, they do a ton on like combat sports like boxing and UFC um stuff. But yeah, I think I watched the 30 for 30 on the Mets when we were at the hotel uh prior to my uh bachelor party where oh, nice. the guy drops the ball. Uh yeah, Buckner. Buckner, yeah. And then then they added him into like Kirby Enthusiasm <laughs> where he Bill Buckner, is that his name? Yeah, Bill Buckner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy. They all thought that they were gonna win and everything. Holy shit! Yeah, so thirty for thirty. That's the one that has the 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 Tommy the Machine Gun, right? Tommy Morrison. Yeah, that one's pretty sad. They also have one on. It's called Broke. It's about um, just why all why all football players none of them have money when they retire. It was some startling statistic. It's like ninety two percent of all football players uh, leave football with less money than they came in with. <laughs> And Why is most of these people came from like poor families and stuff like that. So it's um it, it it's really, 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 That's really sad. interesting. Yeah. So yeah, 30 for 30, they 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 did like one on Ric Flair. Like the Ric Flair one is super great. Speaking of which, the dark side of the ring, they 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 came back and they did I don't know if you ever heard of the plane ride from hell. Um, but they did an amazing episode on the plane ride from hell, which is basically uh the WWE did a uh did a bunch of shows in the UK. And they, they realized it was cheaper to like charter a jet back to Connecticut than to actually like fly commercial. So they chartered this jet and it, you know had all the flight attendants and stuff like that. And they're delayed like four hours on the tarmac. And so they're all just hammered. And it's just like the shenanigans, like Ric Flair's like wearing his like Ric Flair robe, his wrestling boots and like nothing else and like exposing himself to like the, the, the stewardesses and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, Jesus. Yeah, uh Michael P.S. Hayes like falls asleep and like X Pac comes up behind him and like cuts off his uh cuts off his um his ponytail and then someone eats it and it's just just Jesus. a bunch of like animals and like it's uh it it's it's pretty crazy. And they did one on the Ultimate Warrior this season. Um they they uh, they they do a good do a good job and Chris Jericho mod, uh, narrates it, so so I got this oh, uh he's badass yeah. He's a head. that guy's a legend, man. Yeah, he's so good. The he's um like, another, another good thirty for thirty was the forty two to one the Buster Douglas story with Tyson. Oh yeah, that's a that great one's one too. fucking awesome. You're right, Randy. The production value is just amazing on these, and they're so good. Used before it was documentaries that that no one was interested in, right? Like yeah, National Geographic's cool and and whatever the 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 Lion King, the Gazelle, but. Yeah, but it it's, felt like schoolwork, you know. Right, right. There was definitely an educational vibe to it, right? Where yeah. that maybe there was going to be a test or something. Whereas <laughs> the the access to athletes uh, changed, you know. And so once you could start having cameras in in locker rooms or behind the scenes or traveling with a team, um, like uh, what was the what was the Michael Jordan one? The the dance last dance last dance. Holy shit, dude. I literally plowed through every episode in one day. It was like it's 10 so or 12 good. episodes. I could it's not fun. stop watching it. I ate all three of my meals in front of my TV watching that documentary. It was so fucking good just because of, I mean, that was literally 
you know, premium access to a team, right? It's just constant footage filming this entire season. And it was so goddamn good. My goodness. It's it one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Yeah. And I think also the technology, you know, we're no longer having to shoot on film. So it's a lot more, uh, it's a lot easier to shoot documentaries because you're not so worried about like wasting all your money on film. Um, but yeah, no matter what your sport is, there's some good 30, there's a lot of good football ones. Um, there's one all about Al Davis and this, like him just telling the NFL to go fuck themselves. Like, right. It's just, it's a renegade. Yeah. There was one that was like on Elway and Dan Marino. Um, yeah. So whatever sport you're into, there's a 30 for 30 for you. Yeah. That's cool. The the plow through all those. Yeah. So good. I know I'll watch. The thing is though, Dave is like pretty much any sports documentary, even if I don't know jack shit about the sport, I'll watch it because you learn stuff. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I don't know jack shit about figure skating, but I'll watch a documentary on it and it'll yeah. be cool. Yeah. Cause they make it so interesting. Like there was one, it was about, it was uh, Tito Ortiz, and I don't remember who he was always feuding with. And you know, I'd never seen any of their fights or anything like that, but I was just like riveted to watch the, these two human beings, you know, kind of go. There's one that was on like Ricky Williams called Run Ricky Run, where it just talks about why he just couldn't stop smoking marijuana, so he got run out of the league. Right. Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, no, totally, man. All right, then. Uh, that's pretty much all I have. <laughs> Um. Yeah, that was fun. We should <laughs> I think do. I've exhausted my tangents. I'm so, I apologize. <laughs> we should do a list on best sports documentaries. No, I could do it. I love it. Number one is The Last Dance. It's so good. So good. Amazing. I mean, and just uh, because I mean, we, that's like we lived through it. <laughs> right. I mean? Right. Yeah, I was in high school. It's crazy. Yeah, it's what, 92, 93, 94, and then 96, 97, 98. Seven, yeah. And, as, and then especially dealing with his dad being, Michael Jordan's dad being murdered, right? Him going to play baseball. You know, I, I, all that whole, that whole summer was fucking bananas, man. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. And then talking about and, like the 92 like dream team, everyone was right. wearing fucking dream team shit in 1982. Yeah, I had a dream team shirt. Yeah. Yeah. As a t-shirt, which is like basically like a class photo. That's <laughs> basically what it was. And they're like yeah, characters of them and everything. Yeah. It was just oh so God. shocking that, that Michael Jordan didn't look at this and be like, shit, I'm the villain of this story. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, when you're the best, arguably, I, I would argue that he's the best, right? And just uh-huh. and how he can back it up. Like anytime someone just called him out for something, he's like, you. <laughs> he just puts a target on their back and plays the best game of his life. It's always so funny. Yeah, like when that playoff game in, in 98, and the one guy makes the comment like, I thought you were Michael Jordan. And right, 23 like, no more, right? Because yeah, yeah, exactly. you're 42. It's like, what are you doing? And he's like, because his teammate knew that that was all I needed, and he scored like 30-something points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's like, oh, sorry, guy. Yeah. You didn't get the memo, don't, don't trash talk Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah. but shut up and let him go. Get shoes. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that's all I got. You guys good? I'm good. All right. I'm good. No more Indiana Jones talk, Randy. No, but if you're hankering for a horror movie or something that might uh, be a little spooky for you for Halloween season, uh, be sure to check out Like Dogs. It is uh, on Amazon Prime and Tubi, uh, both of which available for free, um, and a bunch of other streaming services, including the aforementioned Apple TV. So check it out. 
Do it. Bugs. It's good. He's very, very good. Cool. Well, thank you. Oh, good. I was just going to say it doesn't suck. It doesn't suck. Put that on the box. Put it on the poster. Exactly. <laughs> As a quote from the director. <laughs> the writer and director. <laughs> it's like, eh, it doesn't suck. Gabagool. <laughs> eh, right. It's the ne- or if you're Dune, it's the next Star Wars Lord of the Rings. So stupid. Yeah, and then yeah. They, then Matt Goldberg on the site gives it a C rating. I'm like, <laughs> what? IGN gave it a 7, too. So it's kind of funny. I yeah, don't know. I, 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 you know, and both of them have valid complaints in that, like, um, you know, it, it, if you felt like you'd get more story out, out of it, but the story it gets pretty good. And, you know, they talk about it being, like, cold and clinical, but, you know, that's the source material. Right. It's a fucking desert planet. You are. You're a product of your environment. <laughs> it's hot and spicy, literally. It's just extreme temperatures. Yeah. I would be pissed off too if I was on a desert planet. I'd be so mad. I wouldn't want to talk to anybody. I wouldn't want any friends. I would just want to just not be there anymore. <laughs> yeah. One of those things where, like, it's on Twitter where it's like describe a movie badly, and someone was like, "Dune hyphen. What if sand was cocaine?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Can you imagine? You have a you'd be like Randy getting blood on your beard, but it'd be sand. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see that episode of What If. There you go. <laughs> well, cool. Thank you for listening to another fun and festive episode of the Geek Legacy Podcast. Remember to check out uh, Don't Be Crazy. It's a lot of fun. It's Spooktober. Uh, we just reviewed Halloween Kills. That'll be available on Monday. Uh, Monday the 20-something. The 25th. So be sure to check that out. Also, be sure to check out the Escape Pod. Uh, we have now ventured into Season 2 of Star Trek The Next Generation. So definitely check that out. And uh, you keep rock and rolling. Stay safe, stay healthy. And um, that's it. Thank you so much.